Well, I couldn't be more PO'd than I am right now. You know, the way I look at this, if this was a Democrat that this had happened to, and of course I'm referring to the theft of the presidential election from Donald Trump on the part of the Democratic Party and their fellow travelers in the Communist Chinese Party, they'd be up in arms, and people wouldn't be saying there's no evidence. People would be screaming from the rafters about all the evidence. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show. You can do so by simply going to either the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store and search for N period P period online. Subscribe that way. If you have found your way to the broadcast by way of the Podbean app, which is the hosting service that we use, and you wish to stay with it, that's fine. But you can subscribe just as easily from your native podcaster aggregator app in either the Google Play Store or the iTunes App Store. Wherever you subscribe, we please ask of you to write a positive review of the show. The more reviews that we get, the faster the show will grow because the more quickly it will appear on search engines within that store. So that's what we want. So what do we have today? We have the New York Post, of all people, a paper that had been an ally of the president, now suddenly telling him to give it up. That's their headline in the New York Post. The Post says, give it up, Mr. President, for your sake and the nation's. He's got to give it up. The election was stolen from him. Anyone with a brain in their head knows it, but he has to give it up. Here's some of the great reporting we get from the New York Post, and I couldn't be more disappointed uh, in this paper, which had been one of the only papers that you could be relied upon to support a conservative position. Unfortunately, you're obsessed with the next day, January 6th, when Congress will... No, let me get back a little bit further than this. Mr. President, it's time to end this dark charade. We're one week away from an enormously important moment for the next four years of our country. You're damn right we are. On, June, on January 5th, two runoff races in Georgia will determine which party will control the Senate, whether Joe Biden will have a rubber stamp or a much-needed check on his agenda. Unfortunately, you're obsessed with the next day, January 6th, when Congress will, in a pro forma action, certify the Electoral College vote. You have tweeted that as long as Republicans have courage, they can overturn the results and give you four more years in office. In other words, you're cheering for an undemocratic coup. Really? He's cheering for an undemocratic coup? This man won the election legitimately four years ago, and no one gave him a moment's peace for four years. No one acknowledged his victory in the media. No one acknowledged his victory in the Democratic Party that kept calling him a Russian operative without a shred of evidence after millions of taxpayer dollars were spent on that ridiculous special prosecutor with Mueller, who was nothing more than a senile old fool, figurehead, while they had every Democratic operative lawyer working on it. Talk about your bipartisan. Not. That's what you had with that damn thing. And he's the one who's proceeding an uh, undemocratic coup. They prosecute General Flynn 
for lying to the FBI, but the FBI agents that interviewed him said he never lied. We never believed he was lying. Broke the man out. Put Roger Stone in prison, put Paul Manafort in prison, entrapped Papadopoulos. But this is an undemocratic... No, my friends at the New York Post. This is a, a procedure that is prescribed in the United States Constitution. And if that procedure is followed and it results in Donald Trump remaining in office, it is anything but a a coup, an undemocratic coup. The article goes on, you had every right to investigate the election, but let's be clear. Those efforts have found nothing. Nothing? We've got videotapes showing people taking ballots from under a table out of suitcases in excess of 100,000 after everyone was sent home, no people watching. We have laws changed by executive fiat in six states to allow uh, ballots that would otherwise never be allowed, no verification. We have ballot drop boxes with no controls on them, allowing ballots in. We have evidence of 40,000 people who double voted in Nevada. We have evidence of at least 30,000 people or 25,000 people in Georgia who moved out of the state by filing change of address forms with the United States Post Office who voted nevertheless and voted in the states they moved to. We have more ballots coming in in the state of Wisconsin in terms of absentee ballots than were sent out by the state of Wisconsin. And this is no evidence? We have a mathematical impossibility taking place in Pennsylvania where the president was ahead by 760,000 votes in a state where there were only 6.4 million or 6.6 million votes cast after 64% of them had been cast, meaning after 4,200,000 or more votes had been cast, the president was ahead by 760,000. That's 64% of the votes cast at that time, counted. And you're telling us that we're expected to believe that that 760,000 surplus could be miraculously erased and turned into an 80,000 vote deficit for the president with only 34% of the vote left. It's mathematically impossible. And I've said this before, the laws of mathematics are immutable. They cannot be changed. Two plus two always equals four. And when for something to have happened... It requires 2 plus 2 to equal 10. Then that thing simply did not happen. And that's the end of it. There's nothing more you can say. And it goes on. We understand, he goes up, Sidney Powell is a crazy person. Really? She was a highly respected federal prosecutor. Nobody was said she was crazy when they had her on every show when she was defending Michael Flynn's innocence. Michael Flynn suggesting a martial law is tantamount to treason. No, it's not. It's shameful, it says. We understand, Mr. President, that you're angry that you lost, but to continue down this road is ruinous. We offer this as a newspaper that endorsed you, that supported you. If you want to cement your influence, even set the stage for a future return, you must channel your fury into something more productive. Stop thinking about January 6th. Start thinking about January 5th. What good is thinking about January 5th when no pressure has been brought to bear on the state of Georgia to change the corrupt electoral system that they foisted on the people of Georgia and the people of this country? All they're going to do is have another rigged election. The only thing that can stop it 
is Donald Trump remaining in office? And you ask the man, after being tortured for four years, maybe he can run again a future return. Who wants to clean up, clean up the same spilt milk twice? Let them screw up everything he fixed in the intervening four years and have to fix it all over again? Get a life. Get a brain. Now is the time. This is war, in case you haven't realized it. There are communists trying to take over this country. And they're from China. And they've got to be stopped. And they've corrupted our election system. And now we, we learn that AT&T had a contract to do an analysis of Dominion voting. Ballots were sent to the place in Nashville that was blown up. Surprise, surprise. The facility in Rochester where the ballots were printed in Rochester, New York, burned to the ground. Surprise, surprise. But there's no evidence. We've uncovered nothing. We've uncovered so much nothing that the state legislatures in Arizona are practically rioting. They want to decertify the election. Ditto in Georgia. Ditto in Pennsylvania. But nothing's been uncovered. We have a thousand affidavits from people who witnessed the fraud, but nothing's been uncovered. Let me ask you a question, Mr. New York Post, and all you other pieces of garbage in the media, like in CNN. Look me in the eye, if you can, with a straight face and tell me that if a Democrat had come up with this evidence, if the shoe were on the other foot and it was Donald Trump who was behind on election night and miraculously won, and Joe Biden's lead evaporated in the blink of an eye, and the Democrats had all these people with the affidavits, the same videotape evidence, the same mathematical probability evidence, would you be calling it no evidence? Or would you be screaming from the rafters, saying, there goes Trump again, the Russians must have done it? You know goddamn well I'm, I'm right. That's what it comes down to. That's exactly what it comes down to. And through all of this, this Trump, this man that you say is obsessed and he's, he's furious, he's not abdicating his authority. He's still governing. Congress sends an omnibus bill to him, a fat, pork-filled pig of a bill. $900 billion in COVID relief. The only problem is only $198 billion of that COVID relief actually goes for COVID relief to the American people in this country. $700 billion of it goes to every third world shithole that you care to name. A billion, $300 million to Egypt. 700 million to the Sudan. I keep being con confounded by that. Egypt, you might say, is an ally, but the Sudan, what do the hell do they do for us? Do we use their sand for construction projects? They're not worth a, a, a yellow snow hole. And you know what yellow snow is made out of. So Congress doesn't want to give any more money. The Republicans don't want to give any more money. Republicans say, we can't, we can't do this. We just can't keep spending money. Really? Well, I agree. We can't keep spending money. But why wasn't it a problem for you to spend that $700 billion to these third world dumps? You were comfortable spending $700 billion in just giveaways to third world dumps. Why can't you be comfortable giving $2,000 a person to the American people? Why can't that $900 billion be spent? I'll tell you what. Don't even spend $900 billion. Cut all the third world bullshit out. Take the bill. Eliminate the 700, 
eliminate the $700 billion. Right now, the $198 billion was all that was required to give the $600, right? So it stands to reason, round it up, make it $200 billion. If we treble it, that means triple for you people in, in the Rio Linda, as Rush Limbaugh likes to say, um, that would be $1,800 uh, an individual. That would be six hundred. So, rough numbers. I would say somewhere in the order of seven hundred and fifty billion should give two thousand to every American. So why don't we just do that? You want fiscal responsibility? Let's eliminate that bill, get rid of the the money, uh, and just give seven hundred and fifty billion, and we're one hundred and fifty billion ahead. But no, nobody wanted to agree on it. So Trump, because he cares about the American people, he signs it. But then he used the Impoundment Control Act of 1974 in a bid to increase the stimulus payment to 2000 and remove wasteful spending. In this article here in the Epic Times, uh, as President of the United States, it is my responsibility to protect the people of our country from the economic devastation and hardship that was caused by the China virus, referring to the Chinese Communist Party virus, which causes COVID-19. I understand that many small businesses have been forced to close as a result of harsh actions by Democratic-run states. Many people are back to work, but my job is not done until everyone is back to work. The president said he was not pleased with some of the spending measures. As president, I have told Congress I want far less wasteful spending and more money going to the American people in the form of $2,000 checks per adult and $600 per child. Now, he can only forestall them for a month and a half under the... Um, um, the Impoundment Control Act. Uh, but that doesn't really matter because if he's not successful uh, in his uh, bid to remain president, uh, he'll, he won't be president for another month and a half in any case. He'll only be president until the 20th of January. After that time, we're in a world of hurt. Joe Biden, on the other hand, made a statement the other day saying that the worst days are ahead for us. Now, what does that say to you about your incoming president, God forbid, the day he becomes president, uh, that thinks that our worst days are ahead? Does this sound like an inspirational leader? This is a guy setting you up for another four years of mediocrity. America's best days are behind us. This is the new normal. Does it sound familiar? Sure it does, because you heard them say the same thing when Barack Obama was president. This is the guy who for eight years said that all of America's problems were George Bush's fault. George W. Bush, that is. Now, I can understand if you think it was your predecessor's fault and you're in office for a year, maybe two years, and you think those things are the problem. But at some point, you have to take responsibility for the current situation. At some point, you have to say, hey, you know, it's not my predecessor's fault anymore. It's my fault. When Ronald Reagan uh, took over, the Depression or recession, as they called it, then that Jimmy Carter left him, actually deepened. And Reagan predicted this. And by the time he was halfway through his administration, uh, people were beginning to sour on Ronald Reagan. That's because he came in January 20th of 81. Then he had the assassination attempt on him in March. And then they finally got the tax cuts passed, but they didn't take effect until like the halfway through the second year's administration or more. And then when people started getting that money and the tax cuts started working and businesses started reinvesting, when it came time for his reelection in 1984, 
In the spring, the economy started taking off, and they started cranking. And they had the greatest economic expansion we'd ever had up to that point, and people voted for Reagan for another four years. But Barack Obama persisted in saying, right up until he left office, that all the problems that were afflicting the country were all George W. Bush's fault. And the minute he left office, all of the great things that began happening under Trump were all Barack Obama's doing, that it was all teed up and set for him. Well, you can't really say that. A man who couldn't produce more than a percent and eight-tenths of growth in any quarter for eight years, the least growth of any presidency we've ever had, you can't take credit for anything. Because if it's really true that these guys don't realize their true potential till after they leave, then maybe what we should do is get these people in and out of office as quickly as possible so we can say things are getting better. But that's what you got going on here. And it doesn't make a difference because Joe Biden won't be around very long to say that these things were Donald Trump's fault because his own party's looking to get rid of him. As you can see, they're already cranking up the investigation into Hunter Biden because they want to get rid of him because their plan all along was to get old Sleepy Joe, the Trojan horse, in there so they can get Kami Kamala as your president. And if you think that's going to be a pretty picture, it isn't. More on this tomorrow when we continue and a few other developments, including an expanded look at perhaps what went on in Tennessee, what really went on in Tennessee. Until then... For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.